Ezekiel 33, starting at verse 30. As for you, son of man, your people who talk together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses, say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. And they come to you as people come and they sit before you as my people and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act, their heart is set on their gain. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. When this comes and come it will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed their sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts. Since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves, I will rescue my sheep from their mouths and they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the people's and gather them from the countries, and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherds of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and to drink of clear water 
that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet. And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you push with side and shoulder and thrust up the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey and I will judge between sheep and sheep and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd and I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit and the earth shall yield its increase. And they shall be secure in their land. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslaved them. They shall no more be a prey to the nations nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely and none shall make them afraid. And I will provide for them renowned plantations so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture. And I am the God, declares the Lord God. For the next four weeks, we're going to be considering the topic of life and death, or more precisely, life from death. There's hardly a more relevant topic. We all have to face up to our own death sooner or later. But also because we want to live life well now, don't we? And through the prophet Ezekiel, we're going to hear what God has to say about life and death. And he starts in an interesting place. I wonder if you'd have started here. He starts with leadership. And who we follow has a big impact on the life we live, doesn't it? I was speaking to some of the teachers amongst us over the last few weeks, and they'll tell you that. Some of the influences that teenagers are following are wrecking their lives, they said. There's an epidemic of teenage boys following Andrew Tate, the former kickboxer turned social media personality. He proposes a cocktail of money and misogyny will lead to young men's best life now. And he's inflicting misery in classrooms and playgrounds and beyond all around the country. Or there's the myriad of influencers who target teenage girls, telling them to find security in themselves and in their physical appearance, which actually leads to all sorts of insecurities and problems. And obviously leadership affects more than just teenagers. Some of us may not pay much attention to Westminster politics. Whoever runs the government seems to not make much change to our day-to-day -day lives. But I wonder if that's because we feel relatively secure and comfortable. But when there is a major crisis, suddenly our leaders matter. Think of Ukraine, a country at war, whose very existence as a nation is at stake, whose sons are fighting and dying, with many others fleeing across Europe. How Vladimir Zelensky leads his country and the decisions he makes will have a massive impact on the life of his people and their security. 
And to understand what Ezekiel is saying, we need to understand the historical context that he's speaking into. And it's more Ukraine than it is UK. They were at rock bottom as a nation, Israel. Actually worse than Ukraine, they just experienced a kind of national death. In 597 BC, they'd been defeated and deported by Babylon. Deportation being a common tactic of an ancient imperial power to nullify the threat of a further revolt and for cheap labor. But after 12 years in a Babylonian forced labor camp, it got even worse. We see in a verse just before our verses started, in chapter 33, verse 21, turn back a page, chapter 33, verse 21, we see that 12 years after their deportation, in 585 BC, a fugitive came to Ezekiel and reported, the city has been struck down. Jerusalem has fallen. That is the only remaining vestige of their nation. Their capital city has been destroyed. Now they had no home to go back to and no hope. I think it's hard to put ourselves in their shoes, but imagine, um, I imagine it's a bit like what a Ukrainian refugee might feel like in London uh, if they found out that while they were here, the whole country had become a nuclear wasteland. Their country had died, as it were. And Israel are very aware of the importance of leadership in all this, because a major cause of their national death was a failure of leadership. Historically, Israel had a special relationship with God. Figuratively speaking, they married him, and if they were faithful to him, he said he would give them abundance of life in their country. But for generations, their rulers, their kings, had led them in unfaithfulness to God. And Ezekiel uses very vivid prophetic imagery and language to talk about that. So they're described as a spouse who repeatedly, for hundreds of years, was unashamedly sleeping with all their neighbors. In Ezekiel 16, uh, verse 32 and 33, um, God says of Israel, adulterous wife who receives strangers instead of her husband. Men give gifts to all prostitutes, but you give gifts to all your lovers, bribing them to come to you from every side with your whorings. And as well as sleeping, as it were, with other nations, uh, gods, they also adopted some of the depraved practices of those nations as well, including, and maybe at worst, child sacrifice. So in Ezekiel 23, verse 29, uh, the Lord says this, For when they had slaughtered their children in sacrifice to idols, on the same day they came into my sanctuary to profane it. And this activity was either led by their kings or allowed by their kings. And after hundreds of years of patience, God put an end to their adultery and abominations by causing them to be conquered, defeated, deported, demolished, and now dead. But amazingly, after hitting rock bottom, God spoke through Ezekiel again. This time, a, hope of, a message of hope and life, like a phoenix rising from the ashes. But unfortunately, um, Ezekiel experienced something that I myself have actually experienced. When I had a bit more hair and a bit more weight, um, I carried a bit more weight. It wasn't an infrequent experience for me uh, to be walking down the street or be in a pub and for someone to point at me and say, hey, it's Ed Sheeran. <laughs> and I even got, um, I once got a comment, hey, Ed, sing us a song. 
Well, that is the treatment Ezekiel is getting from his fellow exiles. They treated his prophecies of hope um, like romantic visions of a pop song. Did you notice that? The start of our reading, um, verse, chapter 33, verse 32. God says to Ezekiel, And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. Hey, Ezekiel, sing us a song, they said. Country roads, take me home to the place I belong. You're lucky I didn't sing that. (laughs) Um, They enjoyed the escapism of hearing and imagining being rescued. They may have been the sort of people who came to church on a Sunday evening and enjoy hearing about God. And it's all a very interesting set of ideas. It's got real pedigree to it. Western civilization has been built on its principles, and it helps some people cope with life. But really, it's just a romance, not a reality. A pop song, not a promise from God. They hear what you say, but they will not do it. That is, they will not stop living for themselves and trust that God can give them the life he promises. They will not repent and believe. They will not do it, it says. But this is not just written for them. Uh, It was written for us. Verse 34 uh, says this. When this comes, all all Ezekiel has said, and come it will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. Previously, Ezekiel had predicted and the fall of Jerusalem, and then it happened. So also he predicted the life God would bring about, and it has happened. The Bible makes clear it happened in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible shows that all of the words of Ezekiel come true in Jesus. And Ezekiel's prophecies, he uses the imagery of the national life of Israel to show us what life from death looks like on offer with Jesus, which is a genius thing by the way, because it means it could be understood by that first generation of listeners and every generation since. And as we look at this first section on leadership, the challenge to us remains, will we really listen or will we treat it like a pop song? And the first thing Ezekiel pictures about life is that God will remove self-serving human leadership. That's in verses 1 to 10. Now in the Bible, shepherds stand for the rulers of nations, And here is the verdict on Israel's shepherds. Um, They had a major dereliction of duty in verse 2. God says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? Now, I'm not an expert in shepherding, but I think feeding and looking after yourself, rather than feeding and looking after the sheep, is a fundamental failure in the act of shepherding. It's a grade F minus, or a one, or or whatever it is, a nine, a one. Um, It gets worse uh, than that even though, because their leadership is abusive and it's exploitative. So in verse three and four, you eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed your sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. When we see abusive and exploitative leadership in practice, it is really horrible and ugly to think about. Think of the parents who abuse and use their children for their own pleasure. 
or kleptocratic regimes uh, around the world that pillage and impoverish their own people um, just to get themselves rich. You may know the regime in Nigeria in the 1990s. After gaining power in a coup between 1993 and 1998, uh, that regime extracted between three and five billion dollars for themselves and their associates. Uh, a lot of money uh, for Nigeria in the 1990s. And Israel's kings, rather than being God's representative rulers of his people, had largely speaking for generations and been milking them for all they're worth. I don't know if you've seen Clarkson's Farm. I actually quite, I quite like it. Um, but you know if you've seen that, that even with modern medicine and technologies, it takes serious energy and care to look after sheep and to rescue them when they get lost and injured. But rather than that... Israel has been ruled by force and harshness. So what good news it must have been if you put yourself in those exile shoes in Babylon, uh, far away from home, that God was going to remove self-serving human leadership so they would not need to face their shepherd's tyranny or the consequences of their foolish actions anymore. In verse 10, um, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hands and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they, not, they, may, that they may not be food for them. I am against the shepherds, says the Lord. And this is a, a stern warning to anyone who claims to be leading God's people, but are actually self-serving. Now, apologies if it isn't familiar to all of us, but just last month, uh, collectively and publicly, the House of Bishops in the Church of England commended prayers which contradict what God says in his word. Like the shepherds of Israel, they're leading people away from life with God. And the New Testament picks up the shepherding language or the shepherding framework to speak of false teachers who claim to speak for God today. In Acts chapter 20, Paul warns the Ephesian church leaders that fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. That is, that leaders claiming to follow um, the Lord Jesus will lead people astray. In Paul's second letter to Timothy, um, he says that such false teachers have the appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. Avoid such people. So they can look godly, uh, but absent is any true power from God. And that is the power for salvation, um, which in part is the ability to face the scorn of society for standing with for what God says, uh, which uh, the bishops currently are not willing to stomach. And Paul goes on in 2 Timothy chapter 3 to say they take advantage of the vulnerable. And he finishes his critique of them by saying this. He says, evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So as people lead others astray from the word of God, they end up believing their own hype. They end up deceiving themselves with their own false teaching. And if you want to find out more about exactly what the bishops have done, do go to the homepage of our website, and there's lots of helpful things to show and explain that there. Now, some say it's arrogant to speak against leaders like this, um, but real arrogance is to ignore what the God of uni the universe has said clearly. And he has spoken clearly, if you read the New Testament, on marriage and false teaching 
in his word. I don't know if you know who the most humble man in the Bible is, um, but it's Moses. Moses is described as the most humble man in the Bible. And what he models is the humble thing to do is to act on what God says. And if the bishops do not repent and change their course, as much as they're acting like the shepherds of Israel, um, the Lord says, I am against the shepherds. But the self-serving leadership of humanity is not the exclusive domain of false teachers in the church. Those influencers we mentioned earlier, ultimately they're nefariously profiting off vulnerable teenagers. Or in the WhatsApp dump last week we saw, we see that government ministers use the pandemic response to bolster their own public image. And even the best of human leaders um, fail us in some ways, even if Sunak or Starmer did a relatively good job of governing in the next few years, could they really offer you fullness of life? Or for many of us, maybe we're not tempted to put our hopes in anyone in particular, but we choose to follow ourselves, make our own path. But if you don't mind me asking, how's that going? Is it delivering the sort of life you wanted? And what is it going to do about your death? Without God, Ezekiel describes people here like lost sheep in the world, harassed and helpless, at the mercy of the forces around us. Um, Most of us put on a good face most of the time, but I wonder if you've ever felt like that. Well, God's salvation does not stop at removing self-serving human leadership in verses 1 to 10. Second, we see God rescuing us with the saving leadership of himself. That's in verses 11 to 22, rescuing with the saving leadership of God. And he says this incredible phrase in verse 11, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. Now, this is the good news of the Christian faith, that God himself is looking for you. And he's seeking to rescue his people in two ways in this passage externally and internally. Sadly, we only have time to look at externally uh, for a few minutes now. But just imagine again for me, put yourself in the shoes of those uh, deportees on the outskirts of Babylon. You know your country has been destroyed. There's a bunch of you in Babylon, uh, and then you hope some of your relatives have managed to be refugees in countries uh, away um, from where you've been defeated. Um, But you know you don't deserve any better you know you've actually brought this on yourselves as a nation. But then you hear about God's compassion for you. And the truth is, this is his compassion for all of us. You won't find many better paragraphs describing what God is like than this, starting in verse 12. God says, As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they've scattered on the day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and I'll bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. God says to us, um, he says to you, that he will bring you home, 
that he'll give you everything you ever need and that he will personally shepherd you. I don't know what you think about God, but this is what he's like. He's a shepherd who has compassion for you and for all people. As we heard earlier, he says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. And sometimes we, we might think that we're searching for God, but the truth is when we encounter the God of the Bible, we find that he is actually the one searching for us. This is the saving leadership of God. But how does the Lord actually do that rescuing? How does he come searching for us? Well, he does it by coming to earth in the person of Jesus Christ as the good shepherd. If you wouldn't mind, can you please keep a finger in Ezekiel and turn to page 1081 with me? And 1081, and you should find yourself in John chapter 10. One o eight one, and in chapter ten, verse eleven, uh, top of the right-hand page, um, Jesus says this. He says, "I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep." Now, the reason that Israel faced national death and exile is because of their rejection of God and their evil deeds, which resulted from that. And if we're honest, they're not alone in that, are they? And all of us have lived a life rejecting God and have all done things which we're ashamed of that we wouldn't want anyone else to speak about. And the just punishment for rejecting the God who gave us life is death. And Israel is facing corporately what we all face individually, the judgment of death. But Jesus here, the good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. He dies facing the punishment we deserve on the cross so that we don't have to face it ourselves. He lays down his life so that we can live. And he takes up his life again in the resurrection, proving to us he has the power to achieve it. The good shepherd, um, laying down his life, enables the saving leadership of God. But how does he enact it? How do we actually encounter that? Well, please look down um, or look further across to verses 27 and 28. Um, These are very important verses. And John chapter 10, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. The good shepherd, um, the Lord Jesus, shepherds through his word. And the promise is, if we, if anyone listens to the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd, he gives us eternal life. That is, the, that is rescuing with the saving leadership of God. And the question is uh, for us, um, will we listen to him? Or will we treat his promise like a pop song? Or perhaps we'd better to ask, why wouldn't we listen to him? Because there is no better leader. And that's what we see uh, thirdly and finally. And in verses 23 to 31, we can rejoice in the security of knowing Jesus as our leader. So to remind us again, Ezekiel is using the categories of Israelite thought to communicate what coming under the leadership of Jesus would be like. He starts off in verse 23. He says, and I will set over them one shepherd my servant David, and he shall feed them 
He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. Living post uh, Jesus, we know clearly that just like the Lord rescues through the Lord Jesus, he also rules and leads through the Lord Jesus, who is born into Israel's raw line of David. That's why David's mentioned there. And there's lots of things we could say about his leadership, but we'll just focus on one major theme. uh, And that is um, safety or security. So if we're back in Ezekiel, if you kept a finger there, and we see safety in verse 25, um, secure in verse 27, and safety in verse 28. And again, just think of what this would mean for exiles who's faced war and deportation. There'd be no more wild beasts or evil empires attacking them. There'd be no more famine or lack of food. And the most pressing need of all, in verse 27, if you're in a prisoner camp. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslave them. And they would be free from their oppressors. And in the Bible, Israel's slavery is a picture of the ultimate enslaver of all, um, our death. There is nothing we can do on our own to free ourselves from death. And the deliverance Jesus promises is life from death. With Jesus, we do not have to be afraid of death anymore. And how do we find that security? Well, Jesus' words again, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. There is a gift of eternal life. So there is ultimate security and now. Howard and Esther and Ivy, um, they know that because they've listened to Jesus. You can see that if you have some time later to read their testimonies. But just to pick out one or two things now. Um, Howard grew up not knowing anyone who followed Jesus, but he encountered the words of his good shepherd in the Bible. And now he can say, especially in challenging times, it gives me great assurance and hope of eternal life as a free gift from God. Esther has the security of knowing Jesus as her leader, And she is convinced, she says, that we are all sinners, but God has forgiven every single one of us, regardless of our sin. And Ivy can say that the words of Jesus in the Bible, in her words, reminded me of the love that had been there for me all along, waiting for me to open my heart and receive it. I understood he cares and knows all my needs, as even the very hairs on your head are numbered. The security that Jesus offers is not a pop song to them. It is a reality. And if you want to see more of what that's like, there's no better place to go than to read about um, Jesus in the New Testament, in the Gospels. And if you're here today and you're investigating um, the Lord Jesus, I'd suggest the best way to do that is to ask a friend who bought you. Uh, They'd be delighted to do this, or I'd be delighted to do this um, if not. Uh, Ask them to read through some of John's Gospel with you. Um, slowly and thoughtfully, and to take it seriously. Because if this isn't just a pop song, um, it's the most amazing thing you'd ever be offered. The security Jesus brings uh, is for life and it's for death. And for those who want to live it up, like Andrew Tate, and actually we'll all meet our creator in judgment to give account for the deeds we've done in the body. But what security do we have for that day? Or for those of us who look for security in ourselves or our own appearance, 
and we will grow old, and we will die. And even until then, um, we're made to know God, and you'll never experience security until you know him. And don't we long, as we see pictures on the news, don't we long for peace in Ukraine soon? But there is perfect peace in life, uh, perfect peace for life and for death, available for all Ukrainians in the Lord Jesus, if they listen to him, and no matter what happens there. And one day, what can be true spiritually now um, will be physically true. And there will be peace and safety in all the world when Jesus, the creator, returns to judge this corrupted world. And all self-serving human leadership um, will be fully removed. And he will bring in his perfect new creation. We'll be thinking about that a bit more next week. And if you want to know and what the Bible really says about heaven, um, it'd be great to see you back uh, for that. But for now, if we hear the voice of our good shepherd and we follow him, we can rejoice in the total security we have in him. That is leadership that God offers for us all. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Allow me to lead us in prayer. Our Father, thank you for sending your son, the Lord Jesus, the good shepherd, to give his life for lost sheep like us. Thank you that we don't need to follow self-serving human leaders anymore and one day you'll remove them completely. And thank you that in life and in death, we can know you through Jesus Christ, your perfect leader. Amen.